In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, the gospel lesson today is about Jesus feeding the multitudes. Uh, Now, Jesus does this on two separate occasions. One time he fed 5,000 and then another time he feeds 4,000. And now, even though these miracles are very similar, both of those texts are included in the church lectionary year after year. Uh, So we get the feeding of the 4,000 on the seventh Sunday of Trinity, and then we get the feeding of the 5,000 today on the fourth Sunday of Lent. And so we hear both of them every year, and that's because it is significant. What Jesus does here today is very significant, and it's worthy of our attention. With that being said, every year for seven years, uh, two times a year, I've preached on this uh, similar miracle and this text, and I've preached on the actual miracle that Jesus performs, the very act of feeding the 5,000 with a few pieces of bread. But today I want to focus on the part of the text that I don't think I've ever preached on before. So I'm not going to preach on the miracle itself. Rather, I want to preach on what happened after the miracle. Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell us that Jesus performed the miracle and what had happened. But uh, John adds another detail. He not only says what the miracle is, but he tells us what happened, specifically the crowd's reaction to the miracle. And this is what he says. He says, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Now, the question is, why do you think they're saying this now? Uh, They've seen Jesus do miracles. They've seen him uh, heal the lame, make the blind see, the deaf hear. Uh, He raised some from the dead uh, and all of these sort of things. And they heard him teach about the kingdom of God with authority. But they didn't call him the prophet any of those times. They called him the prophet now, today. In fact, John goes on to say that not only did they say something, they also did something. And what was that? The very next verse says they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. And why do you think that is? Well, it's not because they believed and trusted in him for their salvation. It is because he gave them bread. A few verses later, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. And this here is unmistakable proof that the Jews had no idea who the Messiah was to be and what on earth he came to do. They didn't want a savior to save them from their sins. They wanted someone to make everything better, to give them a secure and carefree and comfortable life. So they call him the one that the Lord has sent. They didn't just want, they didn't want eternal life. They just wanted a good life. Now, the rest of John 6 tells us what happened, and this is what happens. In summary, after Jesus feeds the 5,000, they try to make Jesus by force. He withdraws. He walks on water across the, uh, across the water to Capernaum to get away from the crowds. That's why he did it. And then the very next day, the crowds get into the boats, and they're looking for Jesus because they're trying to get more bread from him. They want to get more signs, more miracles and things from him. And then when they find him, what does Jesus do? He starts to teach them. And then he tells them this. He says, look, that miracle of bread that I just gave you, that miraculous sign that I just uh, gave you, was to point you to me to show you what kind of God I am. You're looking for me to give you bread, but I didn't come to just give you bread. I came to be the bread. I am the bread of life. 
I didn't come to take away physical hunger, but I came to take away your spiritual hunger that is to make you live forever. Okay. And so Jesus goes on teaching them theology, telling them the things that matter, that he didn't come to give them that bread, but he came to give them his body and his blood to die for them. And then, here's the part. And then the text says this. When many of his disciples heard it, everything Jesus said, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And then a few verses later, it says this. After this, after Jesus spoke, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So you see what's going on here. The crowds love Jesus when he satisfies their hunger, but they leave him when he teaches doctrine, when he tells them what he came to do. They were disappointed with him because he was not the God and king that they wanted. And all too often, people today are disappointed with Jesus and reject him because he is not the God that they thought. He is not the God that they were looking for. There is an entire denomination, I think you can even call them now a different religion, that is built upon Jesus, chiefly following Jesus, chiefly for your temporal wants and needs. It is called the prosperity gospel or the full gospel. And it teaches that those who truly believe in Jesus will be financially and temporally and physically blessed in every way that their own faith, their own prayers, their positive thinking, their own offering will actually increase their temporal blessings and material wealth. That is their official teaching. In other words, they have made Jesus their king by force because they want the same bread that those Jews were longing for. Now, I've preached against this false doctrine, false religion of uh, the prosperity gospel before. It is an evil idolatry. And you should not even listen to or pay attention to these false prophets. Uh, Joel Austin or Kenneth Copeland or T.D. Jakes, Pat Robertson, Rick Warren, Joyce Meyer, Paula White, they are false prophets and enemies of what Christ came to do. The teaching is evil, and they are wolves in sheep's clothing. They don't really want the true Jesus. They simply use him to get what they want. So mark and avoid them. Seriously, this will corrupt you. This is a, an obvious example of those who want nothing to do with what Jesus truly came to do. That is spill his body, uh, spill his blood and break his body for you on the cross. Uh, that is an obvious example of this. But uh, those of you who uh, today who are here are not deceived by this false teaching of uh, rejecting Christ in this way and seeking him only for material good. However, it doesn't mean that people not in those churches never do this. In fact, uh, let me explain it another way. Whenever you are dissatisfied with God's word or disappointed by his church or his word or his sacraments or disappointed of the Sunday, then you are in fact doing the same thing that these crowds did. So I'll explain it. If you come to church and you yawn at the gospel and the forgiveness of sins. And if you get angry and upset at the difficult words and teachings of the Bible, the warnings and admonitions, 
And if you think there is something more important to focus on instead of whatever Jesus says, then you are no different than the crowds. And if you come to church looking to have your temporal needs met, if you're looking for friendship or financial gain or a community to just be a part of or a group of nice people or emotional support or just come out of habit, then you are no different than the crowds who followed Jesus at first and later turned their back to him. And if you come to church just to be involved, to get a job, to volunteer and help out, or to get your kids active in something else, then you will not be here much longer. If you come to church thinking that the biggest problem in your life is your financial situation, or your loneliness, or the people around you, or your unemployment, your illness, or anything else, then it won't be long before you leave. And this is because the biggest problem you have isn't what is around you. It is what is in you. It is the sin in your heart. And the thing you, th- you need most is not what you think you need. What you need isn't money or clothing or food or drink or house or friendship. The thing you need most is the forgiveness of God. And if you don't believe this, if you truly don't understand that you seriously need Jesus to truly forgive you all of your sins, to wipe the slate clean day after day with his blood, then soon one of these Sundays will be your last. You're following Jesus for something else instead of what he came for. And this is the point. Those who come to Jesus with these sorts of expectations will always walk away from Jesus soon after. They will always leave unsatisfied because what they really wanted was not Jesus, but something else. He was simply a means to an end or a way to get something else, bread or money or pleasure or happiness or community or friendship, a job or whatever it might be. Many who have left the church and the faith altogether have done so simply because they were disappointed with Jesus. They didn't want what he gave and that he didn't give them the thing that they were really hungering after. So those who seek Jesus only or even chiefly, to fulfill temporal needs, will only be with him temporarily. Those who seek Jesus for momentary needs will follow him only for a moment. Those who do do this want the gift more than the one who gives it. They don't want to be Christians. They want only an easy, good and comfortable life. And so they stay as long as they have these things and they leave when they are gone. So Jesus gives you daily bread, and this is true. And you should thank and praise God whenever he gives it. But if you get discouraged and disappointed when, with him when you lack something or when your faith in and love for him is shaken because you don't have much now as you did before, then repent. If you come to Jesus in church looking only for a solution to the temporary problem and think that that is the biggest problem you have, then you will always be disappointed. But 
If you come to Jesus looking for his forgiveness and his favor and his mercy and his salvation, then you will never be disappointed. If you come looking for him to wash away your sins, to remove the burden of guilt from your heart and your soul, to erase the history of your sins from the mind of God, to relieve your conscience with the peace of sin forgiven, then you will never be let down. You will never leave empty-handed and you will never leave the same way that you came in. You will never leave discouraged or disappointed. You will never leave hungry because every single time you hear his word, he will give you and fill you with the thing you need most that you may not realize you need, the forgiveness of sins. He may not be the king you wanted, but he is the king you need. He's the king who lays down his life for you, the slave. The king who not only gives you daily bread, but who is the bread. He is the king who gives his flesh as food and his blood as drink. The one who endures old pain and shame and rejection for you. He's the one who put you above every physical need of his. Who sought you more than his own glory and honor. And everything he gives you, everything he distributes to you in his church, in his word, is the thing you need most. So dear saints, you may walk out of here and go back to a thousand problems and troubles you had when you came in here today. And you may go back and have the same bills and the same illness and the same strife and issues that you had when you came in. But no matter what awaits you, no matter how many troubles you might have, no matter how many problems are unsolved, in the midst of them all, you have Jesus. And you have the Lord who loves you and who is with you and who will never leave you nor forsake you. You have your dear Lord who knows all of your needs and who one day will answer your prayer once and for all and take you away from this veil of tears to be with him when you will never hunger or thirst again. And on that day, you will see the thing he came to give you, which is greater than anything you would even dare to ask for. The sufferings of this life are not worth comparing to the joy that he will give you in the life to come. So keep following him. Don't turn your back. Don't turn around when life is, is burdensome and when, when you have troubles and difficulties in this life. You turn to the Lord and you stay with him through it all. Because we have nowhere else to go because he alone has the words of eternal life. Amen. Hear the words of this hymn. <clears throat> Hence all fear and sadness, for the Lord of gladness, Jesus enters in. Those who love the Father, though the storms may gather, still have peace within. Yea, whatever I here must bear, you are my purest pleasure, Jesus' priceless treasure. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.